a couple of I think weeks or months ago when John Barton came to me and asked me to pick one of the characters for the character study series in the summer, it was not too difficult for me to pick uh, Samson. Multiple reasons. Uh, as you, many of you know that I did not uh, grow up in a Christian home. I got to know the Lord when I was in my teenage years. And uh, Samson and Jonah were my uh, superheroes versus uh, Spider-Man and Superman. <laughs> so studying about them, and, and also we didn't have uh, I think a cable or a TV at that time. So studying about them was like really fascinating, no, uh, wanting to know more about them through different books. So it was very easy for me to pick Samson. Uh, and also, as I said, like I was a new Christian in my teenage years. Uh, so I remember my, the prayer time uh, after we read the Bible with my mom and my sister joined uh, late. So one of the lines that <clears throat> my mom used to have always in our daily prayers was that it was for me. And her line was something that was that, God give my son strength like Samson. I didn't know much about Samson at that time uh, since she was the first one to start reading Bible in our house. So uh, Samson, uh, you know, was a character that always stuck with me. And, uh, and since my mom, uh, mom's daily prayer line was give strength to Samson and hence my muscular body. You know, sometimes I feel, <laughs> sometimes I feel there is nobody on this earth uh, who has a sense of humor like God, right? In, in addition to that, after I was born, uh, I was told by my parents that my head was not shaved until I was 15. Okay, that I made the decision when I was myself when I was 15. Now, if you're born into a Hindu family, before you turn three, you've you got to get your head shaved. That's a tradition. Okay, they take the baby before they turn three into a Hindu temple. They shave their head. It's like a way of sacrificing your hair, uh, giving, offering your hair uh, to the god or goddess, whichever one. So they do that. That is why many times you see all these little ones in India. Uh, they have their head shaved. And in fact, that's a really big business in India. I heard that recently. The uh, temple, one of the temples that accepts these hair, I think they make the most money in the entire world in terms of religious organization because they get to sell all their all that hair and I think they make wigs out of it. So my hair was, it, it was, that, was that did not happen with mine. My older brother and my older sister, uh, both of them had that done. Mine was not. I'm the third one at home. And uh, my mom told me that it was because when they, whenever they attempt to do that, either the trip wouldn't happen because something would come up or uh, at some time they would run out of money and they cannot make the trip. So somehow the, it would not happen and hence I did not get my head shaved. They could not get my head shaved. Uh, and so my mom used to you know, always compare me with Samson and say that I'm special. <laughs> I like it when my mom says it. <laughs> We're all special, aren't we, in the eyes of God? Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. A Father in heaven, we bow down before the God to... Uh, say thank you for making us special. Good Lord, as we sit in front of your word and uh, read through uh, the character of Samson, we pray that your Holy Spirit talk to us. Good Lord, help us to uh, get the applications out of it, help us to apply it to ourselves. Uh, God, I pray for myself, I pray that your Holy Spirit talk to me and nothing, no words from my mouth. Uh, this I pray in the good name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, 
can somebody tell me what is the basic difference between the heroes or the leaders mentioned in the Bible versus the heroes and uh, the other religious leaders, let's say, outside the Bible? Okay, what is the basic difference? Maybe I'm looking at it maybe because I, I, I read a little bit of Quran and I've read a little bit of Hindu scriptures. Let's see if some, one of you gives the answer that I'm looking for. What do you think is the basic difference between the leaders and the uh, heroes mentioned in the Bible and outside of the Bible? In terms of at least how the world portrays them. Mm-hmm. Yep, Bible always makes sure that the spiritual element is mentioned. What else? Yep, right Okay, Lord directly speaks to them, that is true. The one that I was looking for is if you look at, uh, be it Hindu scriptures, be it Quran or anywhere else, you'd never find the flaws of any leaders mentioned, okay? Uh, Ramayana, Mahabharata, Quran, and um, whatever the other. So if you look at any characters, Krishna or be it Muhammad or any, you would not see their flaws mentioned. Or even if it did, it wouldn't make it look like it's a flaw or a weakness, okay? It would make it look like that's okay, it's accepted, and it's a good thing. You'd be really surprised to see the things that I mentioned, like it's totally acceptable. That is not the case when it comes to Bible. Bible at times, it even makes it look like the scriptures is trying to emphasize their flaws or their spiritual weakness. You'd be surprised to see that. Uh, and I was thinking, like, why is it so? Now, why is uh, Bible doing that? Why is it always, you know, putting the, their weaknesses along with their strengths and other things? I believe, at least I could come up with two of them. One is, God is wanting us to tell that they are no different than us living today, okay? No matter how physically strong they were, no matter how, uh, how much money, wealth they had, you know exactly what I'm talking about, no matter uh, how wise they were, they were no different than us. The only difference was that at that time, they had the Spirit of God with them, just like us, right? Otherwise, they're like mere humans, it's not that they had some, uh, they had some uh, abilities, true, but then it's not that they were superhumans. It is simply that the Spirit of God with them, that's one. And the second is, God wants us to learn from their mistakes. I remember my um, school in, uh, in Bangalore, in my English class, one of the uh, phrases that I had learned was, learning from others' mistakes is a great way to save a whole lot of uh, time, money, and pain. And I praise God for that, uh, for the characters in the Bible, that I could learn from their uh, you know, mistakes. And isn't that a wonderful thing that God cares for us? Through his Holy Spirit, he's recorded things, sometimes to make it look like, you know, to make it uh, so that it, it emphasizes and says that, do not do this. You know, uh, one example would be Lot. Okay, if you look at just the book of Genesis, it, you, you don't see a whole lot about Lot, or at least the good things, uh, the big things that he had done, right? It, it uh, looks like, who was Lot, if you look at it? Lot was simply, you know, uh, a guy with, who was materialistic, 
who had a weak faith. Uh, you know, he, he was a faithless man. The exact opposite of Abraham. That is what Lot is picturized as. But then if you go into what? Hebrews chapter 11, Lot is mentioned there. You'd be surprised to see that. And the second character is Samson. Okay, there are many others in the Hall of Fame. You'd be surprised. And the second one is Samson. If you look at just the book of Judges, who would, Sam, who would Samson be? Uh, a womanizer uh, who went to God only when there is a personal need, a person who uh, lacked uh, self-control. That is all that you see about him in the book of Judges. right? But what does uh, Hebrews chapter 11 uh, describe him as? A man of faith. okay? And, and, and think it says, uh, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? I think it says, Outstanding faith. Okay? So it's just not uh, what's it? Uh, just another person. He's a man of faith. Now, though we're doing the character study of Samson, uh, I, I'm taking the freedom of retitling my messages. Where was Samson's strength? And a question for you guys as well. Okay? That's going to be the title of my sermon. Where was Samson's strength? Now, you don't have to give away your answer. I'm afraid that you might give a, the correct one. <laughs> So, think about that question, okay? Think about the answer. Where was Samson's strength? I know you, all of you have studied the book of Judges. You know the character of Samson. Uh, I believe all of you know where his strength came from. Just think about the answer. Keep it in your mind because we will come back to that at the end. Now, let's do a little bit deep dive. So, Samson lived during the time of Judges. Who were Judges? Um, we read that when the Israelites rebelled, when they went into idolatry, God would let them to go through oppression, uh, through foreign oppression, and there'd be different people taking over them. Uh, and, you know, God would uh, raise a deliverer, a judge, and people would repent. They would say, uh, they would repent, they would come back to God, and God would restore them. When they go back, they sin, the same thing would happen again. It's a whole lot the same cycle. It happens over and over and again. Now, this is the seventh time, okay? We're going back to the time of Judges. We're living in the time of uh, Samson. So, this is the seventh time this happening. And this time, they're being ruled by whom? Philistines. Okay, Philistines. This has been the, uh, one of the longest and probably the, one of the most, uh, you know, toughest time, hardest time uh, that has uh, now upon Israel. And God has let that happen. And it's by the Philistines. Who were Philistines? The Bible records to us that the Philistines were like really strong people. They were Warlike people is what the Bible tells us, right? And where did the Samsonites live? I'm sorry, where were the Philistines live? They lived on the west side of the Great Sea. So if you had the Great Sea, and then on my left, the, the west side is where they lived. Uh, I, I thought I'll put together a PPT, but then I thought I might run out of time. Uh, so they lived on the west side, and they worshipped a, a god called Dagon. Okay, God Dagon is the one who had uh, half human body and half fish. That's God Dagon. That, that's the God that they worship, the Philistines. Now, during this time, uh, the tribe land of Dan, a man lived, Manoah. Okay? And God, Manoah, God comes and talks to his wife and Manoah, saying that they'll have a son. That is uh, Judges chapter 13. And this is what the uh, angel said. Angel came and spoke to Manoah and his wife, saying, You shall have a son. And when he grows up, he will begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. But your son must never drink any wine or strong drink as long as he lives. And his hair 
must be allowed to grow long and must never be cut. And for he shall be a Nazarite and a Rawal to the Lord. That's uh, Judges 13. So from this we read that and from the other portions like Numbers, we read that when a child was given to God, when he was consecrated, there were few things that must happen. And two things that are mentioned here is, uh, in, just in this portion is what uh, he must not uh, drink any wine. He was forbidden to drink any wine. And as a sign, the second thing, his hair was allowed to be grown. He must not be, uh, he must not uh, cut his hair. That's the uh, promise, that's the vow that he has made. You know? And such person is called what? A Nazarite. Okay, now the Bible, the scriptures records that uh, from other books that a woman or a man can become a Nazarite. It can be for uh, a particular period of time. But here in the case of Samson, the difference is that he is going to be a Nazarite for how long? As entire his life, okay, as long as he lives. So throughout his life, he's supposed to be a Samson. So, so just as the angel promised, a child was born. They named him Samson, and he grew up to be the most strongest man that the Bible ever records. There's nobody as strong as Samson. Now, the difference between Samson, the difference of, uh, of Samson when compared to other generals, let's say like uh, Gideon or Jephthah, what is the difference? How is Samson different from them? They... They were uh, leaders too. They were generals. But then the difference is that they fought the battle with others, right? The main difference with Samson is like he, there was no time where Samson said, okay, let's go and, you know, uh, win this war. He did everything by himself, right? He killed thousands and all that just by his strength. That's very different from Gideon and others. So anyway, Samson uh, grows up to be a Nazarite and uh, the main role was to deliver Israel from the uh, oppressive Philistines. That is what he was supposed to do. Now, as I said, remember, uh, the Philistines were strong people. And uh, from, if you go back and see, Philistines were first place, were not even supposed to be in there, right? Who were Philistines? Philistines were supposed to be wiped away during the time of Moses, right? God asked them, get rid of all of them. But then what happened? They still spared a few, they left few, and then they flourished and they became more and more. So they should not even be living there. That was not the place of Philistines. So, but uh, uh, because of what Israelites did, they grew there. Now, uh, Sam, uh, Bible doesn't tell us much about Samson's childhood. Okay, his his uh, story begins with what a violation of God's law. He wanted to uh, marry a Philistine woman. Something that God said, don't do. It clearly says that intermarriage is not for uh, the Israelites. God said that you should not do that. That's the beginning of Samson's story. Not a good start. Uh, now, from the numbers and others we read, there were three things that, we, uh, that you were supposed to do as a Nazarite, which is the application that we'd be starting from the life of Samson as well this morning. There were three things as a Nazarite that you were supposed to follow. Okay, And we'll be going through all these things. And to remember these three things, uh, these Three things. Thank you, Mr. I came up with three I's. Three words that begin with the letter I. I had to do a little bit of dictionary in Google for this one. Uh, three things. First one is the integrity. Or the first one is what? As a Nazarite, you must not drink wine. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5 and 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with spirit. You know, when you drink, like I have uh, a lot of friends who are not Christians and who 
have drink. From my personal experience, what I've seen is when you are drunk and drink, you, you lose sight of what you say and you lose sight of what you do. Sometimes you make a fool of yourself. And uh, so that's why I chose the word integrity. And God, when he told this, these are the rules to be uh, a Nazarite, first one is do not drink wine. God wanted to protect the integrity. Okay? God wants you to be in control of what you're saying, what you're doing. And uh, God wants you to be filled with spirit and not with wine. So Numbers chapter 6, uh, 2 and 4, that is where uh, we read a little bit more about this, right? The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or, or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must obtain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins as long as they remain under their Nazarite vow. They must not eat anything that comes from the grape wine, not even the seeds or skins. So it's very, very clear what a Nazarite was supposed to do. Okay, in the beginning uh, chapters, uh, when we read about Samson, what's one of the first verses we read about him? Uh, Judges chapter 14 and verse 5. We read, as they approached the vineyards of Timnah. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah. There's so much written here saying that do not have anything to do with it. Don't eat its skin. Don't eat its seed. Uh, don't drink its juice and all that. And where are they going? They're going towards the vineyards of Timnah to begin with. Okay? Uh, you know, there was this, there's a story about a man who was on diet. Uh, he was supposed to be on a strict diet. He was not supposed to have any uh, sugar, no unhealthy food, only healthy food. And then uh, his office had, uh, was in downtown. And uh, when he has to drive to his office, there's a donut shop, a coffee donut shop. Uh, it's on the way. So this man is like, you know, uh, he wants to eat it, but then he remembers he's on diet. So he's praying to God. God, uh, I'm, I'm driving to office, but I want to have a donut. I'm hungry. I don't know what to do. If it is your will, uh, when I'm driving, uh, if I find a parking spot right in front of the shop, I will stop. Else, else I'm going to consider that it's not your will, and I'm going to drive away. He goes down to the shop. He finds a parking spot right in front of the shop. The only thing was that he had to go around the street for seven times. That's all. <laughs> Okay. So he found one. See, most people want to be delivered from uh, the temptation, but then they still want to keep in touch, right? Uh, uh, in my Sunday school, like I uh, repeatedly we were told that you will not make it as a Christian if you do not learn to overcome temptation. Uh, in, the, in the parable of the sower, that is what Jesus Christ mentioned, right? That there are different kinds of seeds, fall, some fell on the good ground, some on the uh, rock that did not grow, and then some also fell on the soil. But then what happened when it grew up? There were thorns and thistles. It choked and it died. Right? And uh, why? Because the enemy is strong, and God said you need to learn to overcome the temptation. And that's what James also says in chapter 1. In verses 15, he says, if you do not overcome temptation, and what is he uh, comparing it to? He's saying it leads to the path of death. And uh, I think when John, James was saying that, I believe he was uh, remembering what's mentioned in Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7 talks about a man uh, who went uh, to the woman's house. As it so happened, the woman's uh, husband was not in town. He went on a business trip. And as it so happened, as he was around the corner, the woman opened the door and came out. That's uh, Proverbs chapter 7. 
verses 21 and 23, when, with her many persuasions, persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in the fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. So, so, does he, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. And it concludes in uh, 26 and 27, saying, For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. Uh, so James and many others make it very clear that the temptation comes from where? From our own sinful nature. It's not any outside. And uh, the word of God makes it very clear that we are supposed to ask God to overcome it, but Samson did not do it. And as a result, in the book of Judges, chapter 14 and verse 10, we read that uh, Samson held a feast for the Philistines. Now, considering the nature of the Philistines and looking at the way Samson is, I don't think there's any doubt that Samson might have consumed wine uh, in that feast with the Philistines in uh, 14 verses 10. And he said in the things that he is not supposed to. So number one, Samson lost his uh, integrity by getting drunk. Uh, and yeah, that's the first one. Second, uh, f- uh, chapter 14 and verse 6, we read, The Spirit of the Lord came powerful, powerfully upon him, so he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as he might have torn a young goat. But he, to- but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Now, Samson being a Nazarite, uh, we know that was the second thing. He's not supposed to touch a dead body or a dead carcass. Okay? He, even if it's your own mother or father, Bible tells us that you're not supposed to touch the dead body if you're a Nazarite. Now, here, he is, what's he doing? He's eating. Uh, he killed a uh, lion. He, uh, when he came back, there was honey in the uh, dead body. He's taking that and eating it. To begin with, he, he, he first lied. Like, what did his parents say? Like, when he killed it, and then he, he met them, and he, like, he didn't say anything about killing a lion. Right? He first uh, lied. Second, he defiled uh, the bow, that is, uh, touching a dead body. Uh, third, he took the, uh, the honey. He ate few, and then uh, he also gave it to his parents. So the word that I came up with that is, the second one is called, he lost his imparity. Okay? The word imparity means inequality. Now, Samson has defiled himself. He's no longer holy. Okay? God said, do not touch it. And he did it. And he is no longer a consecrated one. Uh, so Samson lost his uh, imparity by touching the dead body. Now, how, why, why is that important? Why, uh, you know, why is it not okay to be uh, you know, equal with others? Paul in 2 Corinthians says, uh, chapter 6, he says, uh, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, for a really long time, I didn't know what a yoke meant. Um, in, my, uh, in my early years, like, what is a yoke? And then uh, I googled it. I found out what it was. I'm sorry, I uh, looked at a, uh, a dictionary at that time and then found out what it was. Uh, in Bangalore, yeah, there is no yoke uh, like anywhere. So it's when I went to Kerala, I found what a yoke is. It's that thing that you put on f- uh, top of an animal, two animals, so that both of them you know, walk together uh, to plow the field. I don't know if you have it here. So that's, how, that's why a yoke is used. And what's the main thing about that? 
both the animals must walk together. Same pace, they must listen to what uh, their master says. Okay, same direction, same pace. If one decides to go another place, that's not going to happen. That is the same reason, uh, that is the reason why the yoke is on their head. So Paul is saying that do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. In, in other words, do not, you have to maintain your inequality when it comes to your spirituality, which is what Samson lost here. So Samson lost his integrity and Samson lost his imparity. Uh, uh, third one. Third one is uh, chapter 16 and uh, verses uh, 19. Chapter 16, verses 19. What's the third thing that a Nazarite is not supposed to do? He's not supposed to drink wine. He's not supposed to touch a dead body. Cut his hair. Okay, that's the third thing that as a Nazarite, you are not supposed to do. Um, in Numbers chapters, yeah, uh, we, we saw that that's again mentioned in Numbers chapter 6. Now, the difference between this third one and the other two is the first one not drinking wine and second one not touching a dead body and not getting hair. What is the outstanding difference between the first two and the last one? What's that? You notice the last one. That's a really big one. You drink wine, nobody's not going to know, right? You do it in secret. The Lord God knows, but nobody else knows. Second one, same thing. You touch a dead body, nobody knows. You can lie that, hey, I'm not, uh, it's, uh, I'm still a consecrated one. It's like I'm not defiled. You can lie about that. But not the case with the hair, okay? If, if your hair is long, your hair is long. Somebody looks at you, another Israelite looks at you, they know for sure that you, as an, you are an Azrite, you are a consecrated one, and they will keep away from you uh, the things that you're not supposed to. But then Samson lost his hair with the third one, and by doing that, what has he lost? He lost his identity, the third eye. Okay? He lost his identity. He is no longer an Azrite. That was strike three from God. Okay? So God was waiting. Okay, you did this, you did this. Okay, now you lost your hair as well. That was a strike three. Uh, so we, we saw, uh, and uh, we said he lost his identity. Why is identity so important? You know, we saw a little bit about uh, Lot. I said we, we don't see much mentioned in the book of uh, Genesis about him. Uh, we know who's Lot. He was Abraham's nephew, right? Uh, Bible describes Abraham as... A sojourner, a, a, a stranger, a pilgrim, a wanderer. He did not have a permanent home. He moved from place to place. He was a, a nomad. He was a wanderer. Uh, why was that? Because he was looking for a place whose builder and maker was God himself. That was what God, Abraham's vision was. So he said, this place is a temporary place for me. But then, the, now Lot was with Abraham all this while. right? Lot had a lot to learn from Abraham, but then Lot did not. Genesis 13 and verses 12 we read, it says, Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. And pitched his tent towards Sodom. Do you think he did that by mistake? Like, Lot did not know what these Sodomites were. Like, okay, he started pitching his tent towards Sodom. No. Verses 13, right after that, Genesis chapter 13, we read, The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Okay? Lot very well knew what the Sodomites were like, what they, were, what they did. Lot very well knew that what he is not supposed to do. Just think about that. Lot is living in the midst of Sodomites. Think about the daily uh, peer pressure that he had to go through. Think about the things that he had to uh, be, you know, convinced, like compromise. 
okay? Because of the pressure and the neighbors, uh, the things that the merchants bought in, the leaders. In fact, you know, uh, uh, in, in, after all this, I was wondering, like, why did Lot, you know, even live in that city? Though he's been with, uh, since he's been with uh, Abraham, he knew all the truth. In spite of all this, why was Lot living in that city? If you look at Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1, we read the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. Okay, so Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. Now, considering the time that Lot was living, okay, no random person can go and sit in the gateway of the city. Okay, if you go back and uh, I, I did a little, little bit of uh, history of research and what I read was the person who was sitting in the uh, gateway of the city is an important person. He's, not, he's no random person. He must be a very powerful uh, a magistrate like a uh, judge. And to, uh, to contribute to that, we read in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 19, uh, you know, we see that uh, when the uh, people came in, that's what we, we were seeing, like, and there was a, a fight, I think, after that. And when uh, the crowd was coming uh, towards Lot's house, we see that uh, Lot is being actually uh, accused of being a foreigner, trying to be a judge. They said, who are you to, you know, uh, separate it? And they're like, uh, are you a judge? So from all this, we understand that Lot was actually a powerful man. He was no, uh, he was no random person. So Lot, an, a powerful man who who chose to identify himself as one among the Sodomites. And God tells it, no, you cannot. Right? Do not be unequally yoked with the uh, unbelievers. And God, for God, the identity was very, very important. And Lot lost his identity just like Samson lost his uh, identity when uh, his hair was cut. You know? And that was a strike three, the last one. You know, uh, as I said, when I was a child, uh, in, my, in, my, in my teenage years, when I was reading Bible, the, the things that would stand out is Samson's abnormal strength. And what I all, almost uh, lost sight of some of the important verses in the same chapter, which, uh, which is in, uh, I think, uh, Judges chapter 14, verses 6. We'll read 5 and 6. Okay? Now, these are the key verses, key uh, words, I'd say, where was Samson's strength coming from? Judges chapter 14, verse 5 and 6. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As he approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. Verses 6. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Verses 19 of the same chapter. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ascalon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything. Chapter 16 and verses, no, before going that. So we read those two verses. So where was Samson's strength coming from? Now you may answer. What was it? It was God. It was the Spirit of the God. Okay, It was not his hair. That's what at least my mom and I thought. Uh, it was not his hair. Okay? His, his uh, strength came from his separation. It was not his hair. It was not his um, uh, uh, anything else. 
Thus, he was a Nazarite and he was a consecrated one and this power came from God. 16, uh, chapter 16, verses 20. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. When he lost his identity, what else went? The Lord also left him and so did his strength. He no longer had the strength. So the Samson's strength was in what? In his holy living, in his separation, in his uh, identity. Uh, I see a lot of believers from India, and uh, I use this example even when I was in Texas. Uh, the word uh, brethren in India, in Malayalam, is called verbadagar. Uh, what that word literally translates to as the separated ones. Okay? Uh, because these were new converts from Hinduism and other religions, and they wanted to be a separated one. And hence they uh, started dressing uh, you know, more, more modestly and uh, not too grand. They did not wear ornaments because they used that. Uh, most of them were kicked out of the house, so they used that either for gospel work or um, to make a living. You know, to uh, use that for uh, other things. So that's why they were called the separated ones. They were not like the other ones. And uh, God wants us to be a separated one. Maybe may not be in terms of uh, the way we dress. Maybe we are too. But then the way we behave. Uh, you know, it's, it's very easy uh, uh, living in this 21st century to lose our identity, right? Uh, in, the, in the ocean, if uh, uh, colleagues we have, we may be a colleague to someone, we may be a friend to someone, we may be a neighbor to someone, and it's very, very easy for us to uh, lose sight of who we are. And uh, what does God wants us to be? God wants us to be a Nazarite. He wants us to be a consecrated one. He wants us to be a holy one for him. Before I uh, close in prayer, let me read uh, Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Uh, we read, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning, God. Good Lord, thank you for us. Thank you for talking to us through your holy word. Good Lord, you want us, you want us to be a Nazarite. You want us to be, have like a person uh, dedicated to you, with a vow to you. Good Lord, the word Nazarite, means one who is dedicated, one who is under a vow. Help us to be an Azraite. Help us to dedicate our lives to our Father. Good Lord, uh, among all the people of the world uh, in our everyday life, help us to be separate. Help us to uh, display your character. May others see you through you, uh, through us, our Father. And Good Lord, we pray that you would uh, use us as your uh, instruments, as your vessels uh, carrying your gospel. Good Lord, we uh, pray that you would give us the uh, strength. Uh, thank you for making it possible uh, through your son Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells in us, a Father, who makes it possible. Uh, good Lord, we pray for the worship meeting after this. We pray that may these thoughts guard our heart minds uh, and uh, we may worship you in spirit and in truth. This we pray in the most mighty and matchless name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.